kindergarten through fifth grade could be dismissed to class, and nursery age could be dismissed to nursery. And I just want to say that I'm grateful that we got to partake together of the supper, the table, the Lord's table. So I'm thankful for that, to be able to share it with you today. One more announcement before we read the scripture and pray before the uh, message today. Um, I'm excited. Gerald's excited. Small groups are going to be starting in the fall. This fall, we're going to start small groups. And I know you probably see these every Sunday. Who sees these every Sunday in front of them? If you have on a clipboard. If. I should say all of you should take one out now. Put it in your pocket or get a pen out. If you're interested in being a part of the small group ministry that's coming up in the fall. Fill this out. Put on the back. You can tell what road this came from. Um, My kids. I'm trying to figure out what they are asking for prayer for, concern for, but no. But right on the back, like I'm interested in being part of a small group. I want my name, in, not in the hat, but I want my name to be in your mind for small groups in the fall. So please fill it out. Turn it in to me or one of the elders and they'll get it. We'll compile it and see who's, who wants to be part of a small group. I know Gerald's going to be leading one in the fall. Um, me and Kelsey are going to be leading one at the Parsonage in the fall, and there may be one more we don't know yet, but at least two of them are going to be going on. So please fill it out if you're interested in becoming um, part of a small group. Um, We're going to start them in the fall. I'm excited for that. Um, So that's that one. Um, So if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Mark chapter 16. Is it okay if I read from down here? Is that okay? Turn to Mark chapter 16. And you see the title there, Go Teach Baptize. I'll say something more about that after the reading, after the prayer, but some of you may know that from 42 weeks ago, but we'll see. Here's Mark chapter 16, starting in verse 9. And remember, we just came from chapter 16, verse 8, where the women went out and were terrified, right? They were afraid. But... And I mentioned last week, this might have been an add-on later. They think it's not part of the earliest manuscript, so some writer added it later, maybe. But I like it. I like this ending. I was reminded, I, I thought of this today, I was like, last week I said it's the extended version of a movie. Like, you see one movie and they extended it, the ending. Then I was like, no, this is more like the after credit scene. Like you see the women at the end of the movie and they fled the tomb afraid and then you wait for the credit after the credits. You've got to wait for like 10 more minutes to see the scene that's coming next. And this is the scene. I, that's what I picture now. It's the after credit scene. You've got to stay for the ending. Okay? So here's chapter 16, verse 9 and following. When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, He appeared first to Mary Magdalene out of whom he had, set, he had driven seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. When they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe it. Afterward, Jesus appeared in a different form to, to two of them while they were walking in the country. These returned and reported it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. 
Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen Him after He had risen. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, He was taken up into heaven and He sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed His word by the signs that accompanied it. Let's pray together. Lord, who art in heaven, You are holy, holy, holy. We come to You right now asking You to just teach us something from Your Word today. Help us to pay attention. Help us to listen. Help us to change where we need to change. Help us to be bold where we need to be bold. Help us to respond when we need to respond. Thank you for the children's class going on right now. I know they're talking about faith in Jesus. I pray for that class, that there's, if there's questions by the kids, that they would be answered today. And that they would be excited to learn more and more about who Jesus is. We just say thank you, Jesus for the sacrifice You made on the cross for us. Being buried in a tomb and being resurrected from the dead. And we have hope in that. So thank You for that. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. So Mark chapter 16. We're here. 42 weeks later. I know that I've listened to all 41 so far. Anybody else? Who's listened to all 41? One person? Oh. Sonia, you're the only other one besides myself that are honest to say we've listened to everyone or preached everyone. So I haven't preached everyone though. I've listened to the two that I didn't preach. But 42 weeks later, we're finally to the end of the Gospel according to Mark. And I wrote down, it only took us 42 weeks. It could have took longer, right? We could have dissected it a little more and learned even more about the Gospel according to Mark. But we did 42 weeks. We're finally here. It's been quite the journey. Would you agree with me on that one? Has it been quite a journey through the Gospel according to Mark? Because I've learned new things from it that I never learned before. Or probably learned, but said, eh, that's not very important right now in my life. But now it's like, this Gospel according to Mark just came alive to me in 42 weeks. So I hope it's been life-changing for you. I hope it's been one that your faith in Jesus has grown. I hope it's been one that has impacted you 
in your life, in your ministry, or whatever you do in your life, that you're impacted with this gospel according to Mark. And now I was thinking of a title. You know, ministers, preachers, they have to come up with titles for their messages, which I don't like because I'm like, I don't know what to call it. Okay? But I have to send one in to Karen to put it on the screen, you know? Sometimes, I don't know if you have ever said, where's your sermon title? Maybe once. I think there was only one time you said that. But this says, go teach, baptize. And if you go back to Mark chapter 1, verses 1 to 15, the message I spoke to begin the gospel according to Mark, it's the same title. The same title. I thought it was fitting you start the gospel according to Mark with go teach, baptize, and you end the gospel according to Mark, go teach, baptize. What's on our church sign? What's on our church website? What's on our Facebook page? I think it's there. Betsy, you might have to correct me. Is it on there? I think it is, okay. Uh, go teach, baptize. That's our, our vision statement, right? Our mission statement is go teach, baptize. So how fitting it is you start the Gospel of Mark series with that and you end with the Gospel of Mark series with the same thing. Um, I haven't said it in one of my sermons, but there's a thing called Mark and Sandwiches inside the Gospel of Mark where he starts a story, then interrupts himself with another story, then picks back up the story. That's called a Mark and Sandwich. I just did that with my sermon series, okay? I wanted to give justice to Mark, okay? The Mark and Sandwich. So go teach, baptize. Look at what it says. Verse 9, when Jesus rose early on the first day, He appeared first to Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene was the first to see who? Not just Jesus, but the resurrected Jesus. The resurrected Jesus appears to Mary, and you get this description where we haven't learned this in the Gospel according to Mark yet. We haven't seen this detail, but it says, "...out of whom He had driven seven demons." Jesus healed Mary Magdalene of seven demons some point in her life. And we get this detail here. And she sees the resurrected Jesus, the first one to do so. And what does she do? She went and told those who had been with Him and who were mourning and weeping. So she goes to these who have seen Jesus, who've been with Him, and they're mourning and weeping. Mourning means of sorrow for the death of a loved one. You've probably all done that. Have you mourned for a loss? Have you had sorrow for the death of a loved one? Have you? And as you're preparing a sermon as a preacher, I I, I don't like it sometimes because it seems to be fitting because on June 6th I'm preparing for a message about this and I come to this section where it says, Mary Magdalene went to those who have been with Jesus and they're mourning and weeping. June 6th, I had to mourn because that's a, the anniversary of a loss of my grandpa. It's a day before my birthday. So every year I have to remember that. I mourn that. I still do. I remember it. Sorrow for the death of a loved one. But then they're, have, then they're also weeping. This is used of any loud expression of grief, especially in mourning for the dead. So Mary shows up 
And they're mourning and weeping. They're, they're just loud in grief. They're expressing themselves because who has just died? Their teacher. They've been with Jesus for how many years? Three or so years. They've walked with Him. They've talked with Him. They've slept where He slept. They were with Him. I want to say 24-7 because unless He went up to pray by Himself. But they're with Jesus a long time for three years. So they have to be weeping loudly. They're mourning this loss of Jesus. And Mary shows up and she tells them, He's alive, I've seen Him. And what do they do? They're like, oh, really? Let's go see Him now? I I believe you, Mary. What do they do? They don't what? They don't believe it. They don't believe it. They refuse to believe it. Okay? They were not willing to accept what Mary was saying to them. Remember last week we talked about what type of witness are women in this culture? Not very credible. Not very reliable in this culture. So maybe that's a reason. But they just flat out say, "Eh, we're not going to accept that, Mary. They refuse to believe. And then look at this. Keep going. So Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they're walking in the country. They return report to the to the rest hey we've seen jesus we've seen him too and what do they do they believe them right man they don't they don't believe them either and then oh you keep going it just gets more exciting right later jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. And what does Jesus do? He rebukes them. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen Him after He had risen. So Mary, right? Who's, who did Mary see? The resurrected Jesus. Went and told the, the, the disciples, Hey, I've seen Jesus. He's alive. Ah, Mary, we don't believe you. Two of them walking in the country, they see Jesus, the resurrected Jesus. They come back and they say, hey, we've seen Jesus. We've walked with Jesus. And they don't believe Him. And then Jesus appears to the eleven and He rebukes them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen Jesus risen from the dead. They were hard of heart. They just didn't want to believe And because of this hardness of heart, because of this lack of faith, this stubborn refusal to believe the witnesses, Jesus rebukes them. And did they deserve it? You betcha. You know, when you get rebuked, sometimes you're like, I did not deserve that. But sometimes you're like, oh, I I deserve that. I really deserve that rebuke. So the eleven, they get rebuked by Jesus. Because Jesus says, remember what you heard from Mary? Remember what you heard from those two that I appeared to? You didn't believe them. They told you, and you just flat out refused. And then verse 15. He said to them, 
Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Who, he gave the command, right? Did he give a command? Go and preach the gospel to all. Preach means of public proclamation of the gospel and matters pertaining to it. How did the gospel according to Mark start? The good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. The good news about Jesus. What is the gospel message that we're supposed to be preaching and the, these disciples were going out and preaching? What are they preaching? The good news of Jesus. The gospel. Jody preached on the death, right, of Jesus for our sins. We talked about the burial last week. They took him off the cross. Joseph put him in a tomb. And now, I mean, last week we did talk about that too, but this week Jesus is actually resurrected. People see the resurrected Jesus. The gospel, what's the gospel message? Jesus, death, burial, resurrection. It's all part of the gospel message. And then you get this verse. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Whoever believes what? The gospel message. Whoever believes the gospel message and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe what? The gospel message will be condemned. Now you're going to think I have a magic hat because I'm going to be pulling out books left and right here. But when you're reading people, they say things better than you want to say it. So last week I quoted some people. This week I'm going to quote some people. But you get to this verse. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Uh, DeWilt and Johnson in their book, their commentary, I'm not going to read the, the whole section, but this is a section It says, shall be saved. To be saved is to be made safe. It implies that the person saved was in danger or in actual distress, and that the danger or the distress is removed. When the term refers to the eternal state, it includes the resurrection from the dead and perpetual safety from sin and suffering. But death and all suffering are but the consequences of sin. And therefore, to be made safe from sin exhausts the idea of the salvation provided in the gospel. When the term saved is used in reference to the state of the Christian in this world, as it frequently is, it means that he is made safe from his past sins, which is affected by pardon and can be affected in no other way. The gospel message. Who saves us? Jesus. It pardons our sin. And this is what he goes on to say. He talks about this verse, Mark chapter 16, verse 16, and he says this. Consequently, in the statement, he that believed and is baptized shall be saved. The salvation promised must include at least the forgiveness of sins 
whatever it may be supposed to include in addition to this. It really includes no more than this and is equivalent to the promise of pardon to all who believe and are baptized. If any man's mind revolts at the idea of placing baptism in such a connection with salvation or the forgiveness of sins, let him remember that it is Jesus who has placed it in this connection. And that when our minds revolt at any of his words or calication of words, it is not his fault, but ours. This verse strikes me because I'm convicted. You hear me every week. I preach baptism. I preach repentance. I preach belief. I preach confession. I preach baptism. We have to go in the water because that's a step of faith, right? You, You take faith to get in the water. This verse to me, look what it says again. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Then there's the but. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. Is there anything about baptism in the second phrase? You're supposed to say, no. I think it's not there because if you don't believe, you're not even going to think about baptism. Right? If I don't believe Jesus and, and I, don't want him to be, I don't want Him to be my Savior, am I even thinking about baptism? No. That's how I see it. If you don't believe, you're not even going to think about being baptized. Because there's, there's no reason to go to the water if you don't believe. And then you move on to this section like 17 and 18. I'm like, can we just throw those out? Like, <laughs> We won't get into detail, okay? But you've heard it read, and these are signs that are going to accompany those who believe. So they're going to drive out demons, speak in new tongues, pick up snakes, um, drink poison and don't, it's not going to hurt them, place hands on sick people and they will get well. We've seen these happen in the disciples, right? If you go to the book of Acts, some of these things are happening, right? And I'm not going to get into detail, but I'll tell you what I wrote down because this is what my thoughts were. What do these verses mean? (laughs) Question mark, okay? Then I said, signs, question mark. Early believers are still today, question mark. And then I put this, and we're going to leave it at this for now because we could be here all day discussing these. These signs have been distorted, I believe. They say, well, you're not speaking in tongues. You're not saved. Some people will say that. Um, Some people handle snakes in their churches. I'm like, okay, don't go to that church. (laughs) And who would drink deadly poison and think it was a good idea? I don't know. Um, I take the last phrase as, yes, we should be praying for sick people, right? So that's where I'll leave those verses. Are you happy with that for now? Okay. You're supposed to, yeah. We could, yeah. If you have questions, I'm always open for questions, okay? But that was my thoughts of those verses so far in the Mark series. And then you get these verses. 
After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven, sat down at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere. The Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. The disciples went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed His Word by the signs that accompanied it. The Lord what? Worked with them. We'll get more to that later, but the Lord worked with them. This passage is... Now to me, if somebody added it later, I don't care. I'm reading it from my Bible. I'm reading it from the sacred text that I believe in, and I want to hold to and I want to preach. This section is encouraging to me. Is it encouraging to you? Because look at these takeaways for today. Look at them. First of them, I mean, they're right on the screen. There's no explanation, but they're right on the screen. The first one is what? Go. Mary Magdalene went, right? She went and told. The two walking in the country returned and reported to the rest. Jesus commands the eleven to go. And then what did the disciples do? They went out. So the command for us, the takeaway for us today is go. Whether it's to your job. Whether it's to your family members. Whether it's to your grandkids that you go to, that you see. Wherever you're going to, what are we supposed to be doing? The next one, right? What's the next one? Teach. So you're going, you're going anywhere you want to go. Okay, Jesus sends you. Some people say, I was there and I didn't take the opportunity to share it. I should have. When you're going, you're supposed to be teaching. Watch, teach. Mary Magdalene did what? She told about Jesus being alive. The two walking in the country reported. Has any of you wrote a book report or a report? How long did you write that? Maybe like two pages, three pages. Some of us have written like 10-page reports or whatever, or more. Jesus commands the 11 to preach the gospel. The disciples preached everywhere. What are we supposed to be doing? Teaching, preaching. What are we supposed to be preaching and teaching? The gospel message, right? The gospel, the good news about Jesus. In Matthew's gospel, look what Matthew says. Matthew writes, go make disciples, right? And what's a disciple? Yes, I looked it up in the best English dictionary there is, Merriam-Webster. A disciple is one who accepts and assists in spreading the doctrines of another. Who are we disciples of? Who are we disciples of? Jesus. You're not a disciple of Keith. You're not a disciple of Jody. We might have students under us sometimes, but you're not a disciple of me if I'm teaching you about Jesus. I want you to become a disciple of Jesus, and that's one who accepts and assists in spreading the doctrines of another. I want to spread the news of Jesus, right? As we're going out. So wherever you are, whoever you are, if you're a disciple,
of Jesus, what are we supposed to be doing? Preaching and teaching the gospel. Go preach the gospel to whoever will listen to us. And if they don't listen, you planted a seed somewhere, right? And then what's the takeaway today? You have go, you have teach, and what else do you have? Baptize. My takeaway is baptize or be baptized. What does verse 16 say again? Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Charles Gresham wrote this in his book called What the Bible Says About Resurrection. He writes this. In these passages and others, baptism is the immersion of a penitent believer in water by the authority of Jesus Christ so that such a believer may know that his sins are remitted and may experience the personal presence of Jesus Christ through His indwelling Spirit. By this means, such a penitent was added to the community of faith, born into the family or kingdom of God, and became a member of the body of Christ. Every actual conversion recorded in this inspired volume involves this action. He's talking about the Bible. Okay. Jack Cottrell wrote this. Which I love this one. We don't trust the water or the one baptizing us. Our trust is completely in the power of God. We believe that just as surely as we are being buried into and raised up out of the water, so also is God raising our soul up out of the grave of spiritual death. Why should we believe that God can and will do this for us? Because He is the same God who raised Jesus from the dead. The resurrection of Christ is thus the foundation of our faith that God can give life to our dead souls. The power which He displayed in raising Christ is the measure of the power He exerts upon us. This is why Peter can say that baptism now saves you through the resurrection of Jesus Christ in his letter. It's not the water. It's not the one baptizing you. God is doing a work in you and has given you new life. Go to Acts for a minute. Acts chapter 2. This is this was when I went here after baptism and learning about it more and more and more I I continue to keep being more a student of learning God's word. But Acts chapter 2, so you, you have Peter, he gives this great message, this first sermon at Pentecost. And look what it says in chapter 2, verse, starting in verse 37. So after Peter preaches, when the people heard this, they heard Peter speaking. They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them. 
And he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Here's my favorite verse of it all though. Look what it says in chapter 2, verse 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Those who what? Accepted the message of what? The gospel. About Jesus. Those who accepted his message were baptized. And 3,000 were added to their number that day. Remember that verse? Those who believe and are baptized will be saved, but those who don't believe are condemned. What does it say here? Those who accepted the message, they believed the message, and they were baptized into Christ. Three thousand, About 3,000 of them. I can only imagine how long that took, but... You have to accept the message, right? You can't live life and say, I'll be good enough. I can do it on my own. You have to accept the message of the gospel and the good news of the gospel is Jesus. You repent of your sins. You have to. You can't, you can't say, I can do it on my own. You say, I'm a sinner. You repent you accept the message, right? You believe it. You say, Jesus is the only Savior that can save me. You confess it with your mouth. You say, I, Jesus, you're the Savior. I confess that. And then what do you do next? What do you do next? What's Acts say? They, who, those who accepted that, what were they going to do now? They're going to get wet. They got wet. They went into the baptismal waters. And I don't know if it was only Peter doing the work, but they baptized 3,000 or more on that day. We went from Mark chapter 1 to Mark chapter 16. Some of you may have heard every one. Some of you may hear me every week say a call to be baptized, to, to call on the name of the Lord by faith and say, I'm a sinner, I need Jesus, and I'm going to be baptized. I've been a part of a few of your baptisms in this congregation. Two of them were my own kids. But I've baptized one more that's in the room right now. I remember it. Do you remember your baptism? This is one thing that I try to remind myself of because is the Christian life hard? Yes? It's hard. One thing I try to remember is my baptism. Because that's when I said I want Jesus, that He's my head. The head of my life is Jesus. I remember that baptism because that's where it started for me. Did I understand everything? No. Did you understand everything at your baptism? If you did, let me know. I still don't understand everything. But that's a start. That's where you go, I need Jesus. And what does Acts say again? We're going back to Acts. Those who accepted the message were baptized. 
There may be some of you in this room that you're like, I know Jesus is the Savior. I believe that. I accept that. But there's something in your mind that says, oh, I can't do that baptism thing right now. It's here. I spent the whole day with Gerald yesterday and he said one of my favorite passages in the Bible is the chariot. Philip was in the chariot and the eunuch says, can you explain this to me? And what does Philip do? He explains everything. And what does the eunuch say? There's what? There's water. What's stopping me from doing it? And what does Philip do? Halt, chariot! The chariot stops. They get down. They go into the water. The eunuch's baptized into Christ. And Philip's gone, right? He gets vanished. So something in Philip's message had to be about baptism. And that's why I'm so convicted that every week I'm going to preach baptism at the end, every week. Hopefully. If I forget, it's because of my stubborn heart. Okay. That's why I'm so convicted about it. Because it starts there. It's nothing... Yes, it is a decision that's hard. Um, because... I think I've told you before, and my parents are in the room, but I wrote a note to them. I'm like, can you come find me and talk to me about baptism? <laughs> and I hid in my room all day. Like, when are they going to find that note? You know, Do you remember that, Mom? I have that Still has that note. <laughs> but I, I don't even know where I hid it in her room. I, I don't know. But I said, whenever they find it, they're going to come find me, okay? But that's a decision that's hard. It's like, I've got to make it public. I got to have people in front of me like they're going to see me baptized. Now, you don't have to get baptized here. It's not what I'm saying, but baptism is important. But if you accept the message of the gospel, I just ask you this question. What is stopping you? That's all I want to say with that. And then listen to this. The Lord worked with them. Because we are working together with the Lord, that is, we are joining the Lord in the work He's doing in the world, we are called to go, we are called to teach, and we are called to baptize. That's why we have it on our sign. That's why we have it on our website. That's why we have it on our bulletins. That's why I say it every week. Baptism. Go teach, baptize. There's one more thing I wanted to say, but probably wasn't important. But yeah, if you don't waste time, what is stopping you from going in the water? I talked to a friend this week. I said, how do you prepare for baptisms at your church? He's like, oh, we have towels in the back, we have t-shirts that we give them. There are towels in the back, just so you know. Uh, 
But I wanted to, I probed the question. I was like, how do you prepare for it? Like, if somebody just comes up, what do you do? And he's like, sometimes I jump in with my clo- our normal clothes and we just go. There's nothing magical about the water. You know that. I know that. But the, something happens at baptism, and I think that's why this writer writes, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. If you don't believe, you're going to be condemned. Because if you don't believe, you're not going to follow through with baptism. Pray with me today. God, there's so much to think about today. We had quite the journey through the gospel according to Mark. I pray that we will continue to go teach, baptize. That we will be bold enough to say to somebody, I know somebody that loves you so much, they sent their son to die for you. I pray for those who believe that and have been walking with you I pray for their strength, that they be comforted and strengthened in your love. I pray for those who are like, oh, I believe Jesus, but I just don't know about that baptism right now. Continue to work in their lives. Continue to give us boldness to ask questions, to help them understand more about the gospel message, more about who Jesus is. And I think we can all say this. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.